You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Venizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. You know, it was Donald Gray Barnhouse in his commentary on this point who said, it makes no difference where it is or what is its geology or geography. If God leads us there, it's the land for us. If the Lord doesn't lead us, it can never be the right land, even though the streets may be paved with gold. So, folks, we we just want God's will in our lives. Today, Pastor Mike reminds us that Abraham's life was marked by faith. Abraham was a human like us and made plenty of mistakes. But when God instructed Abraham to leave his home, family, and everything he knew and go to a new place, Abraham obeyed. And this was before he even knew where he was going. He didn't know all the details of his calling, but he trusted God's promise to bless him. Like Abraham, we often don't have as many details as we'd like, but we are blessed when we believe God anyway. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of Genesis chapter 12 as he continues his message, God's I Wills. often leads exactly like that. He shows us something good. Then he enables us to possess it. But it doesn't happen all at once. And often it doesn't happen immediately. Why is that? Because God knows that we wouldn't be able to handle it all at once. Let's say, for example, you know, in a message like this, as the word is going forth and you're encouraged about your walk and your relationship with the Lord and, and God is dealing with sin in your life. And listen, all of us, I mean, this is, you know, this is a place where people come to get well. This is a hospital, if you will. And the attending physician is none other than the great physician, Jesus Christ. And he uses the word of God as a scalpel to cut out the cancer and the sickness out of our lives, Right. So this is a counseling session. We're all in counseling here. You know, some people say, well, you know, Pastor Mike, do you have regular counseling? And I say, yeah, Sundays and Thursdays, or in our midweek service and on Sunday mornings. The truth of the matter is we're all in counsel right now, right? We're all in counseling right now. So maybe the Lord is speaking to you in one of our services, maybe not this one in a, I hope in a direct way, but addressing some area of sin in our lives. Or he's seeking to build some virtue within you. And you have that hope in you. Like, for example, he's given us 
an example of that kind of virtue in another Bible character. Maybe it's Abraham, maybe it's David, maybe it's Daniel, one of the prophets, maybe it's Peter, maybe it's John or, or whatever. And we're going through those texts of Scripture that speak to us concerning these men and the work that God was doing in their lives. And we see ourselves. It's like we're looking in the gospel mirror and we see the reflection of ourselves and we realize that we don't really line up with these fellows or these gals, these women of virtue as well that are listed in the Bible. But there's hope that what God did in their lives will also do for us, right? That that will be a part of our Christian experience as well. And so he shows us that, but it doesn't happen immediately. It's a part of a process of regeneration and sanctification in that work, but we're encouraged. It may be in the area of marriage. You know, maybe you've been wondering why, you know, you're not married and you've been single for a long time now and you're just wondering, but you know, we, God just makes a connection with you and, and he says, you know, I just want you to wait because I got a plan, but you're not ready yet. You understand you're not ready yet, but I know how to give good gifts unto my children And in that perfect moment, I'll bring that special person into your life, across your path, and it'll just all fit into place. You'll know it, and you know that it's by my doing. And maybe some new work situation, right? Maybe you've been having problems at your places of employment or whatever, and you're you're a little confused, and you're disillusioned, and you're discouraged, and you don't know if you can even continue on. Maybe that's the prospect that you're facing. And then all of a sudden, you know, God shows you the hope that all things work together for good. And, and you know that he's preparing you for some new work, a place of employment, or maybe a ministry. I think about my own calling and preparation, a time of preparation, and God preparing me for, for my ministry. I, I remember the day, uh, just, it was, you know, just, Briefly after I had received Christ and immediately following my conversion experience, we were gathered together with a bunch of other Christians. I was just a rookie, man, a brand new babe in Christ. And one of the deacons there in the church, all of a sudden, you know, as they were praying for myself and my wife, Diane, he had a word of prophecy for me concerning a ministry of being a teacher of the word. I was at that location teaching school. I was up in Alaska when I got saved, actually. And we were waiting for our appointment to begin. And one of the teachers had gotten pregnant out in the bush. And so I took her place. I was hired to take her place. And, and so we, we stayed at this, this Christian community for a while up in Alaska before our appointment. There was a couple of weeks before we were actually going to be sent up there to the bush and, and work at that location as a school teacher. And this guy prophesied over me concerning how that I would one day be a teacher of the Bible. And I thought to myself, this guy, is he kidding me or what? You know, there's no way, no, absolutely no way whatsoever that I'd ever get involved in the ministry. And then God began to bring me along and put that desire within my heart and then opened up my understanding to his word and be able to. And he's still, listen, it's still an incomplete work. God is still doing the work that he began so long ago. And listen, let me tell you something. I've been walking with the Lord now for, I don't know, maybe 40 years. And if I should be around for another 40 years, at the end of those next 40 years, I'm going to be a pretty good Bible teacher. Let me tell you something. (laughs) So I got a ways to go yet. I, I know that. 
so God isn't finished with me. But he, he shows us those things, right? It's sort of like a glimpse into the future, if you will, right? So it might, be, it might relate to virtue, something that needs to be changed in our lives, something that God wants to do. You're not quite there yet. You know, he's changing you from the inside out, but you have hope that what God did in the Bible characters who are listed in the Bible, he'll also do for you. Maybe it has to do with work. Maybe it has to do with marriage. Maybe it has to do with ministry, being a, a husband, a wife, a mother, a father, whatever, right? He does this for our own growth and good. He does it carefully. He doesn't do it all at once. He tailors the promise and the timetable and the possession to our own individual needs. He knows exactly how to bring us along. And this is why we are happy God chooses the land for us, even as he chose the land for Abraham. You know, it was Donald Gray Barnhouse in his commentary on this point who said, it makes no difference where it is or what is its geology or geography. If God leads us there, it's the land for us. If the Lord doesn't lead us, it can never be the right land, even though the streets may be paved with gold. So, folks, we, we just want God's will in our lives. We just want to move into the center of God's will for our lives. We only want or we only should want what God wants and has for us. So that's the first I will, right? He says there again, I will show you a land. Now, that brings us to the second I will. Let's go back to our text of Scripture. Secondly, he says, I will make you into a great nation. Now, before we get into Abraham, let's talk about us. Let's bring this down to personal terms. God wants to do a work in you and through you, right? And as I mentioned, I use those words that are used in Christian circles, often used by pastors and teachers, and some of us don't even know what that means or what they represent, but I'm talking about regeneration. You know, God gets a hold of us, and he creates within us a new person in the image of God's Son, Jesus Christ. Or sanctification, and sanctification is just a big word that means God is setting us apart. God is setting us apart for a specific reason, a calling. More than anything else, this is to, to know him, to have fellowship and communion with him, because that's where everything begins, right? And then that's, that's the first step, and then from there, you know, who knows where the Lord is going to take us. But when God said to Abraham, I will make you, into a great nation, how does this relate to you and to me? Well, God wants to make you into a great person. He wants to, when finally he calls you home, make sure that you have a lasting legacy that you've left behind. You know, how many people think about this? You know, I think about my own life, and, you know, I've been doing this now for a while, and I've been involved in ministry here in Manhattan for 35 years. We've seen literally thousands of people come through our ministry over the years. Extremely transient. People are always coming and going. And we've had the privilege, Pastor Jose, myself, Patty, Will, a couple of the other elders to serve the Lord now. Right, Jose? How many people, how many thousands of people have we been ministering to? And over the years, not only the, our current radio broadcast in my father's house, Monday through Friday, 2.30 p.m., but we've had other radio broadcasts as well. You know, I feel as if, you know, Harvest has really made a difference. 
whatever happens, there's a, going to be a legacy that we leave behind. I hope that you can say that in your own life's experience, whether it's at your place of employment or your immediate family, if you're a husband, you know, that you leave that legacy there in your own family, your wife, you instilling within your children a godly heritage. You know, those are the things that I'm talking about. God making us into a great person with a lasting legacy that God would make us to be an influential kind of a person for Jesus Christ. And let me also remind you that this is a possibility within each and every one of us within your circle of influence. Because I want you to understand, when God said to Abraham, I will make you into a great nation, this was an unconditional promise. And thank God it wasn't an unconditional promise. It's a good thing. Because against reason and actual performance, God made it nevertheless. You know, before we go ahead and comment some more about that unconditional promise, we're going to get back to that in just a moment. Martin Luther and his commentary in the book of Genesis made much of the irrational nature of this promise in his commentary, calling this one of the most outstanding and most important passages of Scripture in all of the Bible. He wrote, and I quote, You should consider that what the Lord promises Abraham here is altogether impossible, unbelievable, and untrue, if you follow reason, that is, because it cannot be seen. If the Lord has something like this in mind for Abraham, why does he not let him remain in his land and with his kindred, where Abraham undoubtedly had some influence or reputation? Is the way to success easier among strange people? where one does not even have a place to set one's foot than at home, where one's fields, friends, neighbors, and relatives are, where one's household has been well established. He was 75 years old, that is Abraham. But Sarah was 10 years younger and barren at that. How, I ask you then, do these facts agree with this promise? I will make of you a large nation? This means that his descendants would be a great and numerous people. But where are the descendants to come from? Since Abraham's marriage is childless, these huge masses of unbelief and these high mountains, which could suppress his faith completely. The holy patriarch overcomes and crosses by faith. He simply clings to this one thought. Behold, God is promising this. He will not deceive you, even though you do not see the way, the manner, or even the time of the fulfillment of this promise. So something to think about. But now, getting back to this promise being unconditional as it relates to Abraham, think about this. Abraham, after God speaking to him and making this promise, could have protested and said, well, God, suppose I misunderstand your leading or get out of your will. Folks, let me tell you something. As we read on, we're going to discover that that's exactly what happened. He got out of the center of God's will. Or how about he protested and responded in this way? God, how about if my descendants become idol worshipers? And he, of course, he's referring to Israel, right? He was the father of Israel of that nation. 
And wasn't it true that at one time or another, unfortunately, time and time again, not just once, but several times, they had turned their backs upon God and went after these false gods. And they began to worship these idols. So, in fact, they did bow down and serve false gods. They did. And then he could have protested and said, suppose my people become so hardened against you that they crucify your son, which is exactly what they did. Now, how would God respond to those replies of Abraham? Simply, he would say, and again, I'm thinking about now the unconditional promise of God to Abraham, the unconditional promise to you and to me. Nevertheless, he would respond and say, I will make you a great nation. I will make you a great people. I will make you a great person. The unconditional nature of God's promises. It doesn't depend on Abraham's ability to understand or to perform or his descendants living up to his expectations. Aren't you glad? God is going to continue to work that he began in each and every one of our lives in spite of ourselves. You see, simply, they were going to be a great people because God set his love on them and he blessed them spiritually and he sent his son to be their savior. And isn't that true of us as well? It's the exact same thing that God did for each and every one of us. And of course, Abraham didn't see all of this. So it is to his credit, he believed God and acted on his belief by beginning to leave his land. And so, you know, you read the promises in the word of God, you you don't see the fulfillment of them immediately. Nevertheless, hold on to those things. You know, don't detour off of the straight and the narrow. Stay on that steady course. Go forward. God is going to complete the work that he begun in each and every one of us. You can be sure of that. And it's not based upon your performance. It's just simply because of the fact that God has set his love and his grace upon each and every one of us. Can you say hallelujah? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's get Pentecostal. (laughs) Hallelujah. All right. The third I will. Notice, let's go back to our text in chapter 12. He says, I will bless you. That's what God said to Abraham. But listen, God wants to bless you as well, you see. And a person is blessed when because of the gracious working of God, things go well with him. And whatever he or she puts their hands to simply prospers. Now, someone may be thinking, well, are we talking about every aspect of my life? Yeah, you bet. I'm talking about every aspect of your life. Why in the world would God bless me? And the answer to that question, I mean, there's nothing that warrants his blessing. There's nothing in me that commends myself to God, right? Oh, because I'm so wonderful. God chose to bless me? No, I don't think so, really. You know, really, the truth of the matter is if if I was God, I would put me up for adoption, rather. (laughs) So why bless me? Simply because he chose to do so. It's just grace, folks. That's the way that God deals with men. It's just grace, the unmerited favor of God. So we want to move a little bit quickly here. Okay, the fourth I will. If you're 
keeping up here now. Let's go back to chapter 12. He goes on to declare, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. Now, taking on the mere surface of this promise, think about this. We're just simply talking about the name Abraham, the greatness of that name. How many have taken the name Abraham? Think about it. Jews, you know, name their children Abraham. Christians are always looking for names, you know, with biblical characters and with hopes of that their children will fall in line with these great, you know, characters of the Bible and men and women of of faith, right? We name our kids Elijah, like my son Elijah, right? So how many have taken the name Abraham? Jew, Christian, but not only Jew, Christian, but also Abraham is a Muslim as well. There are many Muslim families who name their children Abraham. They recognize Abraham as someone who was used by God. But the greatness of the name does not consist in the number of people who have been called Abraham, but rather what the name represents and stands for. Literally, someone who has exercised faith in God. And that's the reason why. And by the way, that's in the questions. Abraham was considered a great man. What was it that made this man so great? Well, there's the answer to it right there. He was a man of faith. Okay? So now you got the first question. So everyone needs to go to that home Bible study. Everybody will think that you're a scholar. Okay? But that's what it was. And that's what it represents. That's what it stands for. He was someone who had placed his faith in God. And we amplified that point when we were first introduced to Abraham in last message. But then notice he goes on to declare, and you will be a blessing. Now, later on in chapter 17 and verse 4, as God continues to make these certain promises unto Abraham, he says that you will be the father of many people or of many nations, indicating, and this answers the question exactly how was it, that Abraham would be a blessing. You need to think about it in relationship to him being the father of many people or many nations, indicating that through Abraham's, his greatest descendant, who was Abraham's greatest descendant? It would have been Jesus, right? Blessings would come to all and every nation, that is, who call upon the name of Jesus as their Lord and Savior. You see, the blessings of Abraham is the blessings of redemption through Jesus Christ. Galatians chapter 3 in verse 14, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. In my Father's house There's a place for me In my Father's house Where I long to be Oh my You've been listening to Pastor Mike Finizio here on In My Father's House. He is working his way through the book of Genesis. If you were blessed by today's message and want to pass along the blessing, you can find a link to give to the ministry on our website, harvestnyc.org. We have so much available to you there, 
including many audio messages and links to streamed messages. We stream every Sunday and Thursday service. Once again, that's harvestnyc.org. Another way to pass along the blessing is to share the messages with someone else. Maybe God put someone on your heart today as you listened. You can send them the links as well. In My Father's House is a ministry out of Harvest Christian Fellowship in Midtown Manhattan, New York City. We're easy to find, with access from Port Authority on 42nd and Penn Station on 34th. Come by and see us. But if you're from another part of the country or world, we'd love to know. Please send us a quick note at harvestnyc at verizon.net. That's harvestnyc at verizon.net. It's a great encouragement to Pastor Mike and the team at In My Father's House to hear where these messages are being listened to. There is nothing more beautiful than the global body of Christ. If you'd like to hear more, subscribe to our podcast for Daily Doses of the Word. Just go to Spotify and search for In My Father's House with Mike Venizio. And then just click follow. Well, we have filled our time for today. Come back and see us again, because there's no better place to be than In My Father's House with you.